Having a devotion to Mary enables us to be Marian. Marian is what the church ought to be. The first and greatest disciple put her stamp on the church. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and Whoa. welcome. Oh. <laughs> Golly, that's my life. No, go ahead, Mike. You wanted to start this off. Go ahead. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this episode of Beyond the Bulletin. It is powered by Java and Michael Gormley. And in referencing the Java, it's not coffee, but that obscure, obscure... Uh, a small island in the Pacific, I believe. Island, the island of Java. Thank you, people of Java. Okay, so sorry, everybody. You had to hear Mike talk first. Usually I... Nate Hoffman, say the first thing on the podcast, but now Mike has jumped in. Is this the show? Is this the show? Is this the show? This is, is the this podcast. It? Ah, okay. It's not a show. It's oh. a, informational. Mm. So it's informative. It's edutainment. Yeah, this isn't Regis and Kelly, but it's more It's more TED Talky is my vibe. So it's more like Regis and Kathy. Yeah, okay. the OGs. The OGs. <laughs> Regis, good Catholic. Regis I've heard that. So yeah. is he a good Catholic in the yes. sense that, okay, yes. like he's like a good devout. Catholic? Devout, yeah. Yeah. Wow. May God rest his soul. God rest ye Mary Regis. When Mike <laughs> says it's powered on Java, he is not kidding. Golly. Right. This is only my 12th cup. Thank you, children. I switched to decaf halfway through the day. You know what we call that? A Giving bad up. Decision. <laughs> a bad decision. No, I have discovered the fine art of being woken up by your daughters in your new house, which has all wood floors and every cough. Um, Whatever noise anyone makes is heard as if they are screaming it in your ear. You're loving the new house, aren't you? I'm loving it. I'm loving the fact that my backyard is the Mosquito Emporium, and the front yard is the June Bug womb of all Texas. They emanate forth from my neighborhood. It's not even June. They it's don't not even get June. It. They don't. Their These calendar. Bugs. Well, they go by the pre-Julian calendar. Oh. They're not Roman Catholic. They. Uh, it's. It's pretty bad. <laughs> I've been evangelizing them, but the June bugs, all they want to do is fly into my the neck and then die. The seeds are being sown. Yeah, wow. Well, yeah. I'm sorry to hear it, the floors and everything. Some people like wood floors. No, no, no. I love the floors. I'm excited that we have wood floors. I am not excited that every sound echoes because we haven't purchased carpet yet. We came from a home with carpet. We need to get rugs, my wife tells me. She informs me that after spending $1,000 trillion on this home, we now need to fill it with stuff that it doesn't already come with. It's great. You ever been rug shopping? Uh, no, and I don't plan on it, and I don't plan on it. However, I have been to Home Depot, and they have turf, right? They have, like, AstroTurf oh, stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, That's yeah. all I want in my Put house. Put that in the house, yeah. Corn, wall, wall to wall. On it. Wall to wall, green. Have a catch with your dad. It'd be awesome. Oh, hey, son. It's time to go inside and play a catch. <laughs> play, play a catch. I'm proud a of you. <laughs> well, welcome back to Beyond the Bulletin. So happy to be here. We are going to talk about Mary today. We're going to talk about Mary this month. It's a special month. Yes. Uh, it's Mary's month. I know that it is Mary's month. I don't know. I really don't know why it's Mary's month. Uh, growing up, I always assumed because they, the first two letters were uh, the same. Yeah. I mean, you just add an R. That's it. That's that's it. That's right. That's the church deep. was just like, you know what? Just you add an R, May becomes Mary. Let's let's just let's just call it even. And I don't know what that phrase means in applying to this. I but. really hope you have more information than that about why May is the month of Mary. But, you know, but here's the plot twist. So is October. Yeah, isn't one the month of the rosary, though? And one is the month of Mary? Sure. I've but May is when we do the May crowning. You ever been to a real good May crowning? I've been to a bunch of mediocre May crownings. Okay, okay. <laughs> in Oklahoma, Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, uh, where I was born and raised, 
on the playground is where I spent most of my days. But when I wasn't there, we were at church. And we was a little Franciscan, Capuchin Franciscan church. And in there, we did May crownings like a boss. My two out of the three priests were personal friends with Father Maximilian Kolbe. They were all Polish. All the priests that served were from Poland. Wow. The two out of the three were old enough that they were imprisoned in a Nazi concentration camp. Um, the one nearest to where Maximilian Kolbe died. They had the tattoos on their arms, all that stuff. Craziness, Holy right? Cow. And the reason why they ended up in Broken Arrow is because a group of army soldiers from Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, liberated the camp. And so they said, they asked the men where they were from, and they wrote it down. And then five years later, they literally begged uh, all the which standard Franciscan poverty, all the way from Poland to, I want to say it was Galveston. And then they walked and hitchhiked all the way up to Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. Started a church. And they started the church there. Started the church there. Yeah. No way. So whenever they wanted to start the school, Father Robert uh, hitchhiked to New York City and just went up and down every street around Times Square and just begged. And he came home with like $65,000 in 1974 and funded the entire build of the school. Isn't that amazing? So they had a profound Marian devotion. We had Mary, we had a Marian side chapel that we used for daily mass. And uh, Father Robert Dabrowski, one of my favorite stories, uh, it's going to sound kind of weird at first, but it gets awesome. He always did his Marian devotion um, that he picked up from Maximilian Kolbe. And he's doing his Marian devotion. So he would celebrate mass, and then he would immediately kneel, and he would do the devotional prayers, right, of the Marian consecration. He renewed it every year, all that stuff. And uh, one day, it was near the end of his life, um, I think he was in his late 80s, and at the consecration after he was done elevating the host, he put the host down on the patent and just blanked out, and he smacked his head on the side of the marble altar. This is where I said it's a little weird at first, and um, they run back into the sacristy where there was the local, <laughs> the nearest phone, and they called 911, the ambulance came, he was able to finish out mass, and he made the ambulance uh, personnel wait while he finished his Marian devotion and so they had a cloth putting pressure on the wound while he was kneeling down praying in front of the Marian and then uh, it was a pretty rapid downfall from there and at his uh, funeral they buried his body there at the uh, at the church and my mom was at the DRE so I got to be the altar server for his funeral and I will never forget that man's profound humility uh, total servant and his love of Mary is awesome. He truly was a priest son of Mary. A priest son of Mary. That's yeah. really beautiful. Thanks yeah. for sharing that, Mike. So you thought like, oh, this is going to be a weird story. No, it was. It turned uh, out to be very good. Yeah. Like most of your stories, Mike. Thank you. So, golly, I wonder how to frame this conversation because I love stories about that. You see that all the time. There's something about Mary that priests especially have a, a, a huge devotion towards. Catholics uh, around the world are devoted to Mary. Let's talk the why. Mm. Let's talk the how should we be devoted. Mm-hmm. Let's talk May crownings. Mm-hmm. You know, wh- can we do that in our house? I think that that's an idea that came to me, or not, it didn't come to me. Father David mentioned it for the first time to me this year. You can go to your parish May crowning or your school's May crowning, but yeah. have a Mary statue in the house, crown her. You can, <laughs> you can do it. Yeah. Yeah. So when you think about May crownings, what is the crown? What are we crowning with Mary? Um, in the Old Testament, I, I always ask this to people, and it's fun to get the answer, right? So if you're a king in the Old Testament and you are married to 10 women, which one's the queen? Now, common answers are the first one, yeah, the last one. Maybe they take turns or the one you love the most. 
You know, <laughs> which one? It was the mother. The mother of the king is the queen mother, the Gebira, the great lady. And she embodied in her role as the Gebira, the great lady, um, her role as the queen mother over the people. She was seen as a mother and, and her job was to advocate to the king on behalf of the people. Right. And so for many Catholics, we do not, for many Catholics, for all Catholics, there is no competition between the queenship of Mary and the kingship of Christ. Christ is the king. He's the son of David, right? He was born of the house of David as, uh, you know, through Mary's betrothal to Joseph. He is the righteous son of David. Mary is the Gebirah, the great lady, the queen mother. There are several women in the Old Testament in, in um, I want to say it's 2 Kings and 1 Chronicles, where they list the names of the kings. And then every so often, they'll list their mothers. Mm -hmm. and there'll be a handful of women's names. It's like, why are these women being mentioned? Oh, they're the mother of the king. And so Mary's all, it's non-competitive. So many people think that Catholics like, well, I can't go right to Jesus, so let me do this flex move and sneak around to Mary and then she'll get me what I want. That is not how the Catholic Church views the communion of saints, less of all the communion of saints with the mother of Jesus. So she's the great lady. She's the queen mother. And we want to honor her as queen. And we want to crown her as the queen of our hearts. We want to follow her with great devotion. The Ten Commandments says, honor your father and mother. Jesus' father was God. His mother was Mary. And so why would we be disobedient and failing to honor Mary? Well, how could we do anything less than what Jesus did, yeah. which was honor Mary um, and Joseph? So, um, yeah, I love that. I mean, the competitive nature of love, it, it that's, that's not love. If you right. find yourself loving your child at the expense of loving your wife, then one of those two things is, is not love. Um, the, your love for your children should only increase the love for the wife and your love for your job or something should only increase. So anytime that it becomes competitive, then you're not, then you're not loving then one of those things. Then you're doing it wrong. Yeah. doing it wrong. <laughs> then love itself has gone, gone soft somewhere. Right. Yeah. So when we talk about Mary's month, the month of May, it is a beautiful symbol of Marian devotion because May is springtime, right? May is new life, new growth up here in the uh, northern hemisphere. It symbolizes that in a great way, right? Because this springtime understanding, Mary ushered in with her fiat the springtime of salvation by saying yes to God and the overshadowing of the Holy Spirit. It's awesome. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. And so we, too, in the church, right, we go through this period of Easter, and Easter culminates in this beautiful new creation, new springtime, uh, like, vibe in the liturgical air, right? And so Mary's month. We got May. Yeah, that's something. That's something that I've been thinking about. The um, It's no mystery why Easter is in the spring. It's fitting that May is after Easter. Yeah. In fact, this summer there's this uh, there's a feast day, the Nativity of John the Baptist, mm -hmm. um, that falls on the summer solstice. Oh yeah. And then yeah. after that, because his famous phrase, "He must increase, I must decrease." The days start getting sure. shorter up until Christmas, Isn't which that is fascinating. The, yeah. So I love that. The the calendar is set up in such a way that it, that is fitting to the natural world, yeah. and and it yeah in the spring. And I mean, this is for the Northern Hemisphere. I don't know what our Southern Hemisphere listeners are thinking right now. They must yeah, be. boo. I mean, they have summertime for Christmas. Isn't that funny? Oh, I couldn't understand it's, what you were saying. Yeah, for Christmas. For it's summertime, summer. they have Christmas. Yeah, for summertime, they have Christmas. For Christmas time, they have summer. <laughs> it works either way. Like the name Hannah. <laughs>
this podcast is, is horrible. Doing well. <laughs> so, Nate, one of the reasons why I asked you on this show <laughs> is because I want to talk about why it's important to honor Mary. Okay. I want to talk about this because, Nate, I've, I've gone through your office. You don't have 500 photos of Mary everywhere. I don't have any photos of Mary because they don't exist, Mike. Come on. Oh, that's a good... <laughs> well played. You don't... Uh, your statuary. I went by your house. You don't have a Marian statue Not in the yet. garden. You're welcome to buy one for me. I'd love okay, that. Okay, we'll do that. We'll do Actually, that from... Jay, who's listening to this podcast, his wife, one of the first things we got in the house was a, a statue, a Marian statue from oh, his wife. Lovely. And I plan to crown it this May. This month. This month. Will you save the crowning of the Mary statue for May 25th on my birthday, which is a Wednesday? I had no idea your birthday was coming up, Mike. You hadn't mentioned that I'm a pretty sure you're lying. I'm pretty sure you're lying. I've mentioned it so many times. It's almost made me annoyed. Let's talk about Mary. How does a devotion to Mary increase a devotion to Christ? Mm. I mean, we've heard all the time that a lot of saints have had these devotions. About yeah. half the saints in our new reliquary are known for their devotion to Mary. Yeah. Uh, that's a round number, but I'm just saying that many of them are. St. Anthony. exactly 50%. St. Colby. You know, what is it about? Mary's own veil. Mary is going to be there. <laughs> what is it about this devotion that leads us closer to Christ? Uh, I'm going to give you an answer with the greatest quote from the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Maybe that's overstating it, but paragraph 487. What the Catholic faith believes about Mary is based on what it believes about Christ. And what it teaches about Mary illumines in turn its faith in Christ. So everything the Roman Catholic Church teaches about Mary safeguards what we believe about Jesus Christ and flows from it. Okay, so there's a nothing about Mary, number one, that is in competition with Christ. And number two, everything we say about Mary in turn gives praise and glory to Jesus Christ. So why do we honor Mary? Well, we don't worship her. What do we worship? We worship God alone and him alone shall we serve, right? We got that great line when Satan says to Jesus, bow down and worship me and all the kingdoms of the earth will be yours. Jesus responds, God alone shall you worship, him alone shall you serve. Now, the idea of many people who don't understand Catholic devotion is that devotion to the saints is exactly what it's like in devotion to our fallen heroes in the military, right? So the, my favorite way to talk about this, and for those of you who followed the, uh, followed the Relic videos, you'll have heard this before, but one of my favorite memorials in the U.S. is the Iwo Jima flag raising in uh, the U.S. Marine Corps War Memorial. My uh, grandfather, Papa, he fought in the Pacific Theater, and he was a Navy man who manned the ships that brought the, the U.S. Marines um, across the island hopping, right, that they did during World War II. Iwo Jima was brutal, mm -hmm. brutal fighting. And when they actually raised the flag, um, there's brilliant video of it. It's awesome. It's a famous moment in history. But there's all these Marines raising the flag. Uh, one guy's fingertips are just barely or about to touch. That guy was a Navajo wind talker. Like, it's awesome, that war memorial. It was like every every all-American kid was embodied in that image. And, and you've seen this image. Everyone has yeah, seen this every, image. Yeah, the cluster of Marines mm -hmm. all throwing up the, the flag. Um, now, here's the deal. No one worships those Marines. No one worships those statues. We have you know war memorials where there's a perpetual flame for the fallen soldier, forgotten soldier. We have things that we do, a flame symbol like a candle, all that stuff. Um, we do vigils where we light candles in front of like a deceased place, a deceased person's house or, you know, a, a place where maybe a tragedy happened. You light candles. But when it comes to the Catholic church, a lot of our Protestant brothers and sisters don't understand devotion to the saints. And what I always remind them is simply this. We erect statues. We paint pictures because they're our family. 
And they're our family, and they are the best of our family. So we want to remember not just the family members, but why we honor them. So just like we're capturing the Marines, raising the flag at that moment, oftentimes the depiction of, of our saints are saints who are um, holding an object that made them saints. So for instance, you have St. Um, Anthony of Padua. He has a lily symbolizing purity. In Christian art, a lily symbolizes purity, virginal purity. You have um, the child Jesus. He had a great devotion to the child Jesus, but it also was his humility. And there's a book. Usually the child Jesus sitting on the book. And the book is the word of God. St. Anthony memorized every word of the Bible. They used to say that if we lost scripture, Anthony could reproduce it. Um, and so these are the things that make them holy. Why do we do that? Why do we capture it in our art? Because we want to honor that which is honorable. St. Paul in Romans chapter 13 says, pay all of them their dues. Respect to whom respect is due, honor to whom honor is due. So we want to honor the saints. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Every saint can say that along with St. Paul. Who? What do we depict? If you ever see a statue of St. Paul, what do we depict St. Paul holding? He's got a huge sword. Got a huge sword. You ever been to Rome? Yes, I've seen the story. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, St. Paul, Paul outside, outside the walls. walls. My, that was my favorite of the four basilicas. I, well, I don't know. That so statue, seeing that statue is unbelievable. There's St. Peter's. You put a bracket on that because mm. it's just that's pro- That's number one, but then yeah. St. Paul outside Saint, the walls. That's me and my wife's too. When me and my wife got engaged, I bought her a huge picture that she since lost. It's fine. Don't worry about it. But uh, it was very important to her. Um St. Paul outside the walls with the statue. It's very Lord of the Rings-esque. Yeah, he's got the hood on. He's like, he looks like he's about to convert every Gentile that he's ever going to meet. Yeah. Know? And he just sort of does. You know? And he's holding a sword. Why is he holding a sword? I don't know. Because he got his head chopped off. Oh. Right, so Peter holds an upside-down cross because he was crucified upside down. St. Andrew, Peter's brother, will often hold uh, a cross in the form of an X because he was crucified that way. Um, St. Paul, because he was a Roman citizen, it was illegal for him to be crucified. So he had his head chopped off. Um, he was beheaded. And uh, the book of Romans actually ends, or the book of Acts, ends with Paul going to Rome to await his trial before Caesar. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's pretty intense. Right? So the, these, all of these things that we do, we honor that which is honorable. We honor those who do honorable deeds. How much more so firefighters and, and military people who lay down their lives paid the ultimate price? How much more so do we honor those who did the most honorable thing? Which is they conform their lives to Christ. To me, this is completely fitting, and it, you know it makes so much sense when you lay it out like that. Yeah. Tell me, let's let's walk through praying with saints. Yes. Praying to saints. Yes. Praying to Mary using the rosary. Um, I've got. I, I like the rosary. I, I just bought this book by Jose Maria Escrivá. That's a like a walk through the rosary. It's it's not it's not like explaining the rosary, but it's a helpful guide to here's what you should be praying at each decade. And I think that's a good place to start mm-hmm. because the way he lays it out is vivid descriptions for like only three paragraphs. If you have ever read him, he's not very long winded of the scene. You're there, you're, mm. but you're always with Mary. And to me, that's, that's a good sum, summation of the rosary yeah. is to look at Christ's life with Mary yeah. And that's what rosary is all about. And in some ways, praying with Mary, that's what it's all about. Yeah. You're using Mary's eyes to see Christ. Yeah. When Luke, in Luke's gospel, tells us stories of Jesus' infancy, where do we derive these stories? St. Luke tells us that he interviewed eyewitnesses. Who was an eyewitness at the finding of our Lord in the temple when he was 12? It wasn't Simon, right? It, it was Mary. It wasn't Joseph. He was dead by then. Right. 
So it was Mary. So there are thoughts of Mary in, in Scripture. She pondered all these things in her heart. Why would Luke have written that down? He, yeah. He, uh, she probably pondered this. I'm going to write that she pondered it. No, <laughs> Mary told him. Yes. Yes, and the beautiful thing about the rosary and different devotions, the rosary, it, to me, is best described through the words of Pope John Paul II when he gave us the luminous mysteries of the rosary. Um, he said that the rosary is the contemplation of the face of Jesus through the eyes of his mother Mary. Mm. So it is not the worship of Mary by offering as many prayers as possible to this female deity, right? No. It is the contemplation of the face of Jesus through the eyes of the Virgin Mary. If you go back to paragraph 487, what the Catholic faith believes about Mary is based on what it believes about Christ and what it teaches about Mary illumines and turns its faith in Christ. One of the problems, misconceptions that Protestants have about Catholic devotion to the saints, especially to Mary, uh, the all holy one is that we tend to make it seem like praying, like we're praying to saints, right? And people are like, oh no, what do we do with this? Uh, how do we have devotions? Like, shouldn't you just pray directly to God? Why would you want an intermediary? For the same reason why St. Paul said, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. But also he says, imitate the churches of God. Also, he says, imitate God at one point. I, th I think of Second Thessalonians. He just says, beloved, be imitators of God, right? It's like, okay, how do I do that in my life, right? right? So if you're a, a, a mother, who better to imitate God than a mother herself, that you know is held up by the church as worthy of honor and veneration. Now, there have been thousands of saints who were mothers that if you're a mother, you can identify with, right? There are thousands of men who are fathers, who are saints or, or blesseds or venerables or led holy lives. It's the same thing that when you find a more mature brother or sister in the Christian faith, you go to them for support. Mary is our not just our mother, but also our eldest sister in the faith. She was the first to say yes to Jesus, right? She was the first to say yes to Jesus at the Annunciation. And she was the best of us in her saying yes. Her yes never stopped. It was never halfway. It was never hesitating. It was never qualified. It was another yes, but yes, let me first go and bury my you know, father. Yes, I will love you, Lord, but let me go tell my family goodbye. No, it was an unqualified yes. And so when we think about that, when it comes to Mary, you and I need to understand that having a devotion to Mary enables us to be Marian. Marian is what the church ought to be. The first and greatest disciple put her stamp on the church. This is what it means to be incorporated into Christ. It means to be like Mary. What's it mean to be like Mary as a as a church? That's a great question. That's a phenomenal question. Number one, it means to be receptive, right? Mary was receptive. She wasn't doubting when she asked what does, you know, pondered what this greeting could mean from the archangel. The question is, uh, are you receptive or do you still try to control and manipulate God? Right? Receptivity is the hardest thing for us today. I'm convinced that the number one reason why we have 90% of the problems in the church today is because we don't want to be receptive. We want to take over and run things, or we want to throw our commentary into people's faces on Twitter. This is horrible, right? Receptivity to divine grace is the Marian dimension of the church. To be open to the Lord, to be humble and imploring, to allow the Lord to work in our lives according to what he wants in our lives, not according to what we want him to want. 
That's the difference. I'm sure if Mary had it her way, she she would have said something like, maybe wait five more years. Maybe wait, Angel, until Joseph's here with me, that, yeah. that he could be in on this so there'd be right. no confusion. Maybe do it in such a way that all the townspeople won't try to stone me to death for being an adulteress. Like, there could have been a million. Hey, you know what? Maybe not have the king of the Jews, Herod the Great, try to murder all of us. How about that? But all she was definitively gloriously was not passive but receptive which is a different kind of activity i think that's hard to to figure out which is which yeah. you know you'll figure out if you're being receptive or or, or passive um because we don't like being passive we don't there's something and in the church doesn't teach us to be passive is that right yeah the word passive when it gets applied to our spirituality is actually a heresy called quietism and quietism was a, a this a german denmark kind of movement where it was like, no, God does everything, I do nothing. Hmm. See, that's passivity. We don't believe in that. We believe in God does everything and I do everything. This Be- is That actually speaks to something that even as we're talking about Mary and the saints and yeah. the and part of it all. Yeah. You know, Catholics are so andy. Everything is yes, and. It's like Im- improv or something like that. Whereas the <laughs> like more protestant point of view might be let's just do just jesus Mm -hmm. just just that just that well because there's a competitive subcontext to a lot of their theology right so it's either faith or works Mm -hmm. it's either the bible or the church authority but with catholics it's like it's it's the vibrant paradox and of the both and yes you know what is this the days are getting longer yeah that's that has to do with Jesus. Right. Oh, it's springtime? Yeah, that has to do with Jesus. You know, yeah. oh, there's a bones of a saint? Yeah, well, it's, that points to Jesus. You know, yeah. every every single thing possible. Yeah. I just love that about Catholic devotions. And I, I do too, but okay, just think about this for a moment. So how do I get to heaven? Is it God's grace or do I have to work? The Catholic Church would say, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Every, every, gra- every work you do is because of God's grace. Right, and that's the thing that I think we keep breaking down at. Of course, you have to respond to what God is doing. If you reject, and and this is where some some Protestant groups, mostly in the Calvinist camp, they don't believe that you can resist grace. Uh, it's one of the major tenets. They have this thing called tulip, and tulip, each word, um, it's an acrostic, and it stands for things like uh, the L is limited atonement, but the I is irresistible grace. Uh, P predestination. I can't remember what the T is. Total total redemption. Nah, I can't remember. Total depravity. You are totally <laughs> depraved. Yeah. So in the Catholic faith, right, we actually believe that the incarnation and what it means and what it is, the full union of God with humanity, is replicated in our discipleship. Without his divine grace, nothing is possible. Right. Nothing is possible. So then in response, what is my response to God's initiative? That's called faith. And living my faith is called being faithful. It is faith working through love, as St. Paul says. So there's not some like hard and fast line where God does 50 percent or 51 percent and you do 49 percent. No, you do everything, as St. Augustine said, as if it all depends on God, because it does. And you work as if it all depends on you. Right, so it's the union, one hundred percent union of our wills. That's the point of Catholic holiness. And who did that better than Mary? I answer to you, no one. Now, here's the reason why I think we need to talk about Mary as being so important, and why Catholics hold her up to be so important. 
Number one, she was the first one to say yes to Jesus. Number two, nine months gestation in her womb, then the nativity of just Mary and Joseph, the shepherds, the wise men. But Mary and Joseph were the stable influences or the stable presence in that. Stable, get it? Yeah, Manger scene. Eh, it's fine. Uh, I didn't mean to do that, but I'm happy that I did. Then they go into Egypt together. It's Mary, Joseph, and Jesus, right? The Holy Family. Mary had Jesus for 30 years alone, right? So when we talk about the rosary as being the contemplation of the face of Christ through the eyes of Mary, who other eyes would we rather have? She was there the whole time. She traveled with him during his ministry, his public life. She's the one in John chapter 2 at the wedding feast of Cana that got Jesus to work his first miracle. And when he worked his first miracle in John chapter 2, he said, Woman, what is this between you and me? My hour has not yet come. In John's gospel, the hour means the crucifixion. You flip 17 chapters later, you're in John 19, and there is woman. Behold your son. Mary's at the foot of the cross. She was there the whole time. Mary was there at Pentecost. Scripture specifically points out that Mary was there. Now, I remember I was talking with this one Protestant guy, and he says, you know, Mary's barely even in the Bible. And it's like, yeah, kind of true. I mean, she's kind of present in the background the whole time. But yeah, because it's not about her. Mm-hmm. Her story is the story of Christ. So what we want to do and everything that we want to do is to give glory to Christ even our Marian devotions, but when you click into that either or that competitive thing, then you realize you you can never you can never enter the honoring of honorable people. Thus, you deny Romans thirteen if you don't honor Mary, woman. Behold your son, and looking at the disciple whom he loved, he said, "Behold your mother." And at that very hour, Saint John says he took her into his home. And I said this to one man, and I say it to every, everyone who's contemplating becoming Catholic and wrestling with Mary. Simply this. If the disciple whom Jesus loved took Mary into his home, why haven't you? Bring her into your home. Crown her with honor and dignity. Honor her, right? And I don't just mean a statue. A statue is a reminder, right? It's that we, these aren't idols that we worship. Right? They are reminders. No Catholic ever st- stood in front of a statue and thought, this statue has ears so as to hear. You know, We all just know that when we stare at a beautiful, especially if it's beautiful, right? we stare at the artwork and we're like, we're reminded of that which is honorable. We just received the statue uh, of Mary and Joseph that so will be exciting. going in the Our Lady of the Angels Chapel. Beautiful. An incredible statue, and it, it will be something that will bring you into devotion. You're not going to be confused that we're worshiping the statue. You're going to be helped in (laughs) your devotion to Mary and in your worship of Christ through these beautiful artworks. Mike, what else do you got for us? Well, I I would say, so one thing that that helped with um, a couple people's conversion into Catholicism and their struggles with Mary is, yes, they can acknowledge, okay, there might be this weird competitive pretext that I bring with me every time. But I said, okay, let's just walk through the most common prayer to Mary, right? What is that? The Hail Mary. Right. So I said, let's just break it down. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Okay, where did that come from? That's from Luke. That's from Luke. And who said it? Elizabeth. Oh, is that Gabriel? Yeah, the angel Gabriel. I'm a Catholic. I know. know. (laughs) So the angel Gabriel, when he spoke to Mary, said, hail, full of grace. Full of grace is a title that he gave Mary. Right, It's a crazy Greek word that means always has been and continues to be full of grace. Right, um, The first deacon, Stephen, who was martyred, it said that when he was being martyred, he was full of grace. It is not the same sense. That, is, uh, that word for full of grace is 
he is filled right now with grace. Oh, it's very temporally bound, right? So this idea of Mary being full of grace, hail full of grace, the Lord is with you, right? Blessed are you among women, right? Then we have the greeting of Elizabeth. Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. And then we add the word Jesus. So that's the first half of the Hail Mary. Um, the Hail Mary until the 1100s used to be called the angelic salutation, right? Even though it combined Elizabeth with the archangel. But right now we know all we're doing is just quoting scripture. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. None of that is offensive. If any of that is offensive, you don't know sacred scripture because that's literally just words from scripture. Then the second part is where some people get tripped up, but just pay attention to the words. Holy Mary. Okay, she was holy. You can acknowledge that. Anyone can acknowledge that. Mother of God. Okay, some people have a problem with that language. Mother of God. Oh, she gave birth to the God of the universe? No, she did not. God is still God from all eternity. Jesus is the son of God, the second person of the Trinity from all eternity. She did not give birth to his divinity. But I've never met a mother yet, and I've met a handful of them at the St. Anne Society and whatnot, <laughs> and, your, and your senior pals, grandmothers even. And not a single one of them that has ever given birth has given birth to a nature instead of a person. Right. You have had an eight-pound, nine-ounce human nature. No one says that. So when the divine person entered into the womb of Mary and she gave birth, she is a real mother. This is one of those doctrines about Mary that safeguards the doctrines about Jesus. Was Jesus 100% human? You betcha. Right? He had a full human nature, which was derived from Mary. And so she was a true mother. She gave birth to the second person of the Trinity only in and through his assuming our human nature. Right? So through his humanity, he entered the womb of the Virgin Mary and was born. So we say, Hail, Holy Mary, Mother of God. Pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us. Wow, I can ask you to pray for me. Pray for us sinners. I'm acknowledging that I'm a sinner in need of salvation. Now, pray for me now, that's awesome. And at the hour of my death, double whammy. Yeah, nothing offensive there. Are there any uh, Protestants who don't acknowledge the, like the prayers of the saints? Is that another Oh, I mean, issue? almost all of them from the Baptist strain onward reject the the communion of saints you'll obviously find anglicans and maybe some methodists or whatever that can uphold the communion of saints lutherans they'll have it um maybe some presbyterians but no there there's a pretty hard and fast no they're dead they're gone they don't care hmm. and i'm like show me in the bible where it says that show me in the bible where it says that the saints who have already died christians marked by the sign of faith who have gone before this are dead and they have no idea what's going on nor do they care about what's going on and i'll show you a hundred verses to the contrary number one I'm not going to go through 100, but that would be awesome if I did. Number one, the book of Revelation is filled with the saints. And you know what they're doing? They are absolutely involved in the intercession with life down on earth. They're the saints underneath the altar of God. Don't know what that means. So that's why we put all of our relics under the altar. It says there, there were saints who were uh, the altar underneath the altar of God. They were martyrs, and they were crying out to God, how long until you avenge our blood? Right? So they're like, we were martyred. We want justice. How long, O oh Lord? Right? So they're aware that the time they, hasn't happened. Right, yet. so they know what's going on in the yeah. world. Yeah, the 24 elders are the 24 heads of the tribes of Israel and the 12 apostles. Um, they're wearing white garments. They have gold crowns. They're casting their crowns at the feet of our Lord. That's where you get the band name, Casting Crowns. But who gave them the crowns? 
Our Lord is honoring them, cr mm. crowning them as princes. You will sit on 12 thrones and judge the 12 tribes of Israel, Jesus says in John 22. So when you think about that, Je or Luke 22, Jesus is honoring them even in heaven. And what do they do? They have bowls of incense. And in the incense bowls are the prayers of the faithful, right? So you have that. But also, this is the most important thing. Let me ask you a question. How many bodies of Christ are there? One. There's one. There's one body of Christ. St. Paul says that we are the body of Christ and individually members of one another. And then St. Paul says in Romans chapter 8, neither death nor famine, plague, pestilence, trial, tribulation will separate us from the love of God. So if in Christ Jesus. So if I'm united to Christ in life and my own death doesn't separate me from the love of Christ and... I'm in. I'm united to the body of Christ with those who are alive, and death doesn't separate us from the body of Christ, and we are individually members of one another. Then why is it that someone who has whose body has fallen asleep, but whose soul is very much alive to God? Jesus says, "Didn't God say I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? So therefore, God is not the God of the dead, but of the living." That's important for us to understand. So when we talk about the body of Christ, we say it still exists in heaven. It still exists. We call it the church triumphant. Yes, it's a different mode, but it's the same body of Christ. Why would they suddenly, as individual members of one another, no longer care about us? That's silliness. That's silliness. Can I tell you a story? Yeah, go. I got a story for you. Go. So me and my wife, we just bought a house. I don't know. I heard. Yeah, yeah, I've been complaining. A I lot. just got married too, so just. So oh, that's beautiful. Is. You guys, you should bring the wife ears and come over to the house of mine. No, no, I heard you guys have ants. Ah, uh, mosquitoes. But don't worry, I got a mosquito that covers the whole entrance of my garage. Can't get one of those in the woodlands. Ha ha! Thank you, Magnolia. But uh, no, in my house. So we we were searching for houses. I don't know if you know this, Nate, but there is a. Uh, a profound lack of housing in our country today. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so it's a seller's market. So finding a home, the average, I think the average buyer of a new home goes to see 23 different homes until they get it. Yeah, so crazy. my wife found this home online, called our buddy who's a parishioner, Nate, and he hooked us up. We went over. We checked this house out. And then we were doing the open house, and the lady who was the realtor for them uh, we started talking. She said, well, where do you work? And I said, oh, St. Anthony of Padua. It's about eight minutes from me. She goes, yeah, I know St. Anthony's. And she said, but I grew up near, um, I want to say it was Christ the Good Shepherd, she said. I go, oh, are you Catholic? She goes, no, 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 I'm not Catholic. But, And now this is, this is a true story. And we were praying to this deceased Catholic for assistance. And she said, no, I actually, but I grew up next to a, a guy who became a priest. I said, yeah, who's that? And she said, a man named Ryan Stallways. Ugh. And I was like, are you serious? You know Ryan? She goes, oh, my gosh. Every girl in high school was in love really? with Ryan. Yes. And then she said, and she was friends with his mom. And she said this great line. She said, every mother wanted their daughter to marry Ryan because he was such a good guy, such a wonderful dude. And like, she's like, he would come over our house all the time, all the time in high school. And uh, he's like, he dated someone, uh, one of her friends, and it never worked out. And then he went and became, you know, went to uh, A&M, and then he went off to become a priest. And whenever we found out he was in seminary, we're all like, yeah, that makes sense. Really? And so, uh, obviously, the story ends with me and my wife getting the house. But the idea the whole time, my wife just said, you know, Father Ryan was one of those seminarians when he was here. I clicked with the most. We did our prison ministry training together. I fell asleep. He elbowed me in the rib cage. Apparently, I was snoring. And uh, he, like, I loved that guy. I loved that man. And the fact that he was a priest for such a short time, uh, 
it makes me think like you know we say that this line that we say whenever young people die what, what a waste what a tragedy but in the body of christ it's not a waste He's still with us. As St. Therese of Lisieux said, I will spend my heaven doing good on earth. Like, we're still individually members of the body of Christ and one another, right? So this bizarre thing where we make it competitive, and yet we don't for each other. Pray for me, brother. I need help. Pray for this. Pray for that. And yet we don't think of calling on the saints. I'm not engaging in necromancy. I'm not summoning the dead through a medium or witchcraft. I am like saints Peter, James, and John staring at Christ at Mount Tabor as he's transfigured, and I see Moses and Elijah, mm -hmm. right? And what did they say? What's the first thing that came out of their mouths? Let us build three tents, one for Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. Why? Because we want to honor them, right? We want them to stay. We want their presence with us. And it's through Christ that those who have gone before, marked by the sign of faith, they're not dead, but they're alive, and they're aware, and we're aware of them. And that's the thing that we need to remember, that we need to recover. That May can be a month where Mary is exalted in your heart, but not over and competitive against God, but that she is the artist's greatest masterpiece. When you praise the artwork, you praise the artist, right? And that's what we need to see Mary as. Beautiful. I love it. Folks, with that, spend May in a Marian way. Ask her to point you to Christ. Spend some time with her, always in an additive sense, not a subtractive sense, to your own relationship to Christ. Ooh. Ooh, yep. an additive, not a subtractive. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, devote yeah. to the rosary this month. Mike, anything else before we go? Yeah. Honor those who are honorable. Our Lady, Seat of Wisdom. Right. Hey, holy queen enthroned above.